All right, welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour, a podcast where we talk to the most interesting people in the world of pop culture. And this week, we have got a band on um, that are near and dear to my fucking, why is my phone beeping? Okay. And it's not even just beeping, it's beeping so much. Ferociously. Okay. Like, it's like, help me, Superman, beeping. <laughs> I know, and I have nobody to save right now. I know. Okay. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour, a podcast where we talk to the most interesting people in the world of pop culture. And if you're new to the podcast, please like, subscribe, hit that subscription button, hit that alert button, and you will find out every time we drop a new episode. And we do it usually every Monday. Sometimes we'll sneak in a special one here and there. So uh, just subscribe and you'll never miss anything. Like, no, Ryan's, like Ryan's facial expressions while I was saying that whole thing. What are, <laughs> you're like, you're like a bobblehead. <laughs> you're like, it was like a dance. I don't know how to sign, but I wanted to help. Okay. I appreciate your help. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I figure I'm your Vanna White. Like, nah, you're a lot more than my Vanna White. You're my, uh, uh, you're like all five of my Barker's beauties. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so listen, Ryan, a um, few things I want to get out of the way before we get to our guest. Um, first off, I wanted to just draw, see it right there. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Why is the doorbell ringing? Hang on. I thought it was your Terminator doing that. Picture a man in a world where when the phone doesn't ring, a door is always open. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour, a podcast where we talk to the most interesting people in the world of pop culture. And this week on the show, we have got an incredible band that uh, if you don't know, you're going to be really, really happy you're getting introduced to them. And if you do know them, you know exactly what we're going to be talking about because they are awesome. But before we reveal who our guest is, which you probably already know because you've seen the thumbnail when you clicked on this, either way, doesn't matter. I want to draw some attention to a few things that are new today. And one of them is that behind me. And I wanted to give a special shout out to Pure Arts. Now, Pure Arts are a company that you and I work with quite a bit for Montreal Comic-Con. And um, last year at Montreal Comic-Con, Pure Arts unveiled the T-1000 statues that they had for pre-order. Um, yeah. The unfortunate thing was that they weren't ready to be purchased that summer. And that kind of screwed up my plans because I wanted to get it signed by Robert Patrick the T-1000, ah. who was at our Comic-Con last year. He was one of our guests. So I ended up going by the Pure Arts booth, inquired about the statue, and I said, hey, are, are you guys going to try to get Robert Patrick to sign your prototype? And they were like, well, we hope we get to at least like shake his hand. And I'm like, well, I'm doing his panel. Let's get those things up on stage. So we ended up speaking to uh, Cliff, our program director, and we we found a way to get them up on stage during the panel. Robert liked them so much that he invited Pure Arts on stage and a good 10 minutes of the panel was around about the statues. And then yeah. he signed them live in front of everybody. So it was just a great moment for everyone. And uh, and they mentioned to me that we're going to send you one of those as a thank you. 
And uh, so I got it the other day and I said, well, this is staying up in my room as a permanent display behind me when I do the podcast, because I absolutely love it. So uh, if you're noticing, cause I do get people that message me, like I had a cereal box there for a while. It was a Reese's uh, peanut butter or Reese's pieces or Reese's cereal, you know, the Reese's teas that it was a box and it was a, it was a special box. And some guy messaged me and he's like, what's that cereal box that you have behind there? So I know people sometimes tend to look around at what we have in our backgrounds and, um, if you're noticing that, that is from Pure Arts, and we absolutely love them for for um, hooking us up with that for the podcast. And we might be doing some stuff with them in the future in terms of giveaways. So, um, so keep that on the old radar. Uh, a big, big thanks to our title sponsor. If it wasn't for Heartbeat Hot Sauce, this podcast would not exist. And uh, they are absolutely incredible. I'm cranking it up a notch today, Ryan. Okay. And I'm bringing this one out. And this is straight from the fridge. This is not from Ooh. the reserves. As you notice, this bottle's still pretty full. And the reason why is because on their hot meter, it is fucking hot. It is strong like bull. This yeah. is not something to play with, okay? It's not going to kill you, but it's hot. And this is the Poirier's Louisiana-style KO edition. Um, Dustin Poirier, of course, the UFC um, fighter who is just an incredible fighter and and um, has his own hot sauce with Heartbeat. This is the Poirier Louisiana style KO edition. You can get this at heartbeathotsauce.com. And if you use our promo code ROCKMAN20, you'll get 20% off your entire order and that co- code can be used over and over and over again. So thank you to Heartbeat Hot Sauce for uh, being the, the heartbeat of the Rockman Power Hour. And a big thanks to Studio House Designs. Yeah, I was going to say, Jason, you rock that Casper shirt a lot. And it kind of makes me happy because I find Casper is kind of my generation when you were like, you know, screaming your ass off on stage and all that kind of stuff. I was screaming my ass off in movie theaters watching kids films because I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, you look damn good in it. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, thank you. And it was my white whale for a while because I couldn't get one. And now that I have one, I'm, you know, I could die, I could die happy. I remember the moment when you looked at me mm-hmm. and I had ordered it and we were in Winnipeg Yeah, and you're like, you got the Casper shirt? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And you're like, did you order it? And you're like, no. You ended up yeah. getting one. I'm, I'm going to order it as soon as I get off the plane. And then, you know, after three days of hard work and getting off a plane, naturally, when I when I arrived at home, a coma ensued. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Anyways, you got one. And today you're rocking mm-hmm. the, uh, I love that shirt. I had the alien shirt. Um, what a great, what a great shirt. And a great, you know, t-shirt company out of Philadelphia that uh, have just, great sense of design. So go check them out. Studiohousedesigns.com. Great people that, uh, that outfit us here. And we're very, very grateful to them. That outfit us. I like that. Right. We're outfitted, Ryan. We are dressed. We are urban outfitted. No, we're not urban outfitted. We're just, dressed. Uh, no, probably not. No, no I don't want to be. <laughs> okay. So- uh, yeah, I wore aliens today because of space and moons. I'm assuming half moons. Yes. All right. So yeah, if so- you're wondering who our guest is this week, uh, we are going to be joined by um, the, uh, the the entire band. The, we're, we're talking to all of Half Moon Run today, and I'm really excited to be talking to Dylan, to Devin, and to Connor uh, of Half Moon Run. Now, as you know, Ryan, I have been carrying the Half Moon Run flag for over a decade now, for 11 years, from the first moment that I heard them. Uh, and I tell the story in this um, of, of the first time that I got the record and how I really, really pushed as hard as I could to get this band played on show. Because to me, they were the best thing I had heard in forever. And I still feel that way. Um, you know, you know, you say, you say, I want to die on that hill. Well, I will, I would die on the half moon run hill because I believe in them that much. And I'm always excited when they do well. Uh, I'm excited when they progress and they have been uh, at a ferocious rate. They're the kind of band that could sell out five nights at M. Tellus at the drop of a hat. And, uh, and I just got to see them the other day at 
uh, Teatro Corona. They did a surprise show and I got to bring uh, Julia and, and um, her cousin, Audrey and my daughter Priya. And it was just such a treat to see the guys live again. Cause it had been about a year since I'd seen them. And um, they got a new record called salt. It's coming out this Friday and uh, it's, it's a, Look, it's Half Moon Run, man. They're just built different. They're literally built different, Ryan. You'll never see three guys fill a space so much as these guys do. They're multi-instrumentalists. They change instruments during the show over and over again. Dylan, who's their drummer slash keyboard player slash bass player, it's just bananas what he does. And all of them, I mean, they're just talented. They all can sing um, like angels. It's just crazy what this band can do. And I've always supported them from, from the jump. And I'm just so, so proud of them. And I, I annoy people with this because in my mind, if you don't like half moon run, we probably shouldn't be friends. If that's how much, you know, and I know you feel like that with some bands. Like, sure. I can't, I can't think of anyone's per se that I'll cut anyone out of my life right at the moment. <laughs> I'm but not, I'm not going to, I, but, I, but gonna... I remember being a teen and my friend like criticizing Metallica and I, it, it, I thought he insulted my mother. <laughs> like, it right. was, well, that's it. You know, back then when yeah. you're so defensive and now all the criticisms, I'm just like, I was right about some of them, but I still love them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I yeah. I'm not going to cut someone out of my life if they don't like Half Moon Run, but I will question their musical tastes and, and I'll also question their motives. And maybe there's a personal thing in it. Like, you don't like the band because you're jealous of their success or because, but, you cannot deny their talent. There's no denying their talent. That happened to me with Leonardo DiCaprio for years. I was like, fuck this guy. But it's just because, you know, he was pretty and all the girls liked him and puberty was kicking my ass. Right. So now in hindsight, now that age is kicking my ass, I'm like, yo, that guy's talented. Give him an Oscar for more than just that bear movie. You know? <laughs> so uh, we have Half Moon Run on the show today. Uh, we're really, really grateful to be chatting with them. So let's, let's before we get too far, um, let's just jump right in. And here it is, our chat with Half Moon Run, right here on the Rockman Power Hour. Okay, uh, I'm joined by Half Moon Run. I am get, I've got all three members with me, which is really fun. This is a treat because I've seen you guys have been doing press today and you've all been kind of going off in your own direction to get as much done as possible. But you took the time to all join together and chat with me. And that means a lot. So, um, so thanks for joining me. Um, yeah, any other way, Jason. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, listen, I, I kind of drive people crazy with this whole Half Moon Run stuff at this point because I've been singing your praises for over a decade now. Um, there's very few bands that I believe in as much as this band. And I've talked to a lot of bands. I've been involved with a lot of different types of music over the years, especially at Shome, you know, carrying the flag as much as I can. But this is a band that I really feel like I have skin in the game. Um, and every time there's a milestone that's achieved, there's always this immense sense of pride because I, I love being able to say, I, you know, my horse is coming in. I called that. And and I called it from the minute I met you guys. And you did. I, you, you bought when we were still a penny stock. You bought your half moon run stock. <laughs> I, I did, and I feel like I'm cashing out on Apple now. It's amazing. Oh yeah. No, hold, hold, hold. Wait till the real <laughs> <Apple's done. laughs> I'm, I'm convinced it's going to happen on the fifth record, but that's a whole other conversation because all the great bands, it really, really happens later, um, and that's a good thing because then they're going to just die back and grab your back catalog. But regardless, we're here to talk about Salt. Um, the new record drops June 2nd. I've had a chance to sit with it in many incarnations because you guys sent me early mixes. Um, and I just listened to, I guess this is the final because um, MP sent it to me two days ago. And I said, can I just get like the closest thing to where these final mixes are at? And she's like, this is the record. So it's, it's a, the first thing I thought of, it's a bouncy record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it, it, it tends to bounce. It tends to be also it doesn't feel like it has a lot of chains around it. It feels like it's very free. It feels like you guys are just like hearts open, just like, wow. It, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you really, to me, when I listen to it, I'm like, these guys don't feel like they're working in any boxes. They're, they're working where they want to work and they feel free. Is that the feeling when you guys are creating this? Yeah, man, that's funny because um, several of the songs, we didn't even use headphones. Like normally in a studio, you'd be on headphones listening to each other, but we'd be in the same room on this, just no headphones, no metronome and, and just playing like we would if we were rehearsing or we would on stage, you know, and that's like supernatural and freeing and the tempo can go up and down, but it doesn't yeah. really matter as long as it's not too much. And yeah, so it, it did feel free a lot of the time. Record, the, the, it's the function of the process. Like we uh, don't have a label anymore. We are, we fit, our record deal is over. So we just have a distributor now. So in terms of being confined in some sense, the label would definitely put some of those constraints on, on, a, on a band for better or for worse. And also, normally we would rent an expensive studio and you'd have a time constraint as well where you had to finish it in whatever it was, four weeks or something. And that wasn't the case either. We recorded it at our own studio or at the Treehouse where our producer has uh, his studio. And so, like, it, and uh, there comes a certain point where you, you, you have enough experience to be able to be confident that the ways in which you're breaking convention are going to be okay. Like the way that Deb just described... Right. Like you could necessarily go around doing that on your first record, you know, leaving the leaving the PA on and not using a metronome. And like that would probably just end up sounding crappy if you did it the first go around. But we at some point in the past couple of years, we reached the place where we're like, no, we we get it now. Like we can break the rules where we want to. We have enough confidence. You know? But it's funny because those rules that you're talking about are new rules because those rules never existed before. Bands would just go in and they would record. So it's kind of funny how you're just coming back to the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Those are just a lot of fail safes, aren't they? Like metronomes, right. isolation. And you want isolation because you want to be able to protect most of the time against someone making an, a mistake in of one course. way and picked up in another. And your tempo is going to be off base for the worse. But I think like probably in, in, in our style of music anyway, um, if you allow those freedoms, if you're if you're playing well enough, that those mistakes don't matter. You're way better off without all those nets underneath you right. as you're tightrope walking. You know that's it, and um, and it, you feel it on this record. I, I and you know I'm someone who who knows the catalog. I know the music. I've listened to it a lot, and on this one, I just felt like, man, the guys feel free. They feel and and now you're telling me all this stuff which I didn't know about. You know, being independent and all that all makes sense. So it comes across. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, that thing you said about a fifth record during the pandemic, we released those two EP. And they had about six or seven songs each. Yeah. And then at one point we released it as one big, beautiful vinyl. And we, um, we called it Seasons of Change and Inwards and Onwards. And it's got 12 songs on it. And yeah. I always considered that our fourth record. Right. So that would make this one our fifth. So yeah. then that's going to happen here. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's really cool to hear you kind of rap, Dev. Because uh -huh. on the first, you know, on You Can Let Go, it, it, you've got like that, you know, that um, it, it almost seems like that pentameter where you're just going like you're, you're rapping in a way. Yeah. Like almost rapid fire that. lyrics. It's like a spoken word kind of like, yeah. Internal rhyming. I mean, I love that. Like the full circle kind of does that. Our, 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 our first kind of big right. song, but you're, um, but it's faster here. I love that kind of wordplay. I love yeah. writing it. It came actually really, um, together quite quickly. Um, like Connor Seidel and the two guys were in the, in the studio and and I went out in the hall and I had the objective of like, uh, I got to write the verses for this, like this afternoon, like right now. And that's normally, normally it takes me ages and it's just agonizing process, but it came together really quickly. And if you follow the, 
the rhythm of the words and the and, and you you just start with the way it sounds and and uh and the rhyme of it you know you can you can move forward really quickly and it was that's yeah, fun to sing too it's hard need a lot of breath yeah well that's it and but but i did follow through and there's such a great story that goes on in that whole song and is it, it it almost seems like i'm in dev's head yeah some dark places in there but well, uh, that's it but that's okay because you know if someone was to tape what's going on in here sometimes it's 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 pretty it gets it gets crazy and i think that's one of the beautiful things about being able to create music is that you're able to release some of that stuff and you're able yeah. to you know you're able to put a timestamp on it and go this is exactly where i was at that moment and that's one of the, the fortunate things and and the benefits of being a musician someone who writes music is that you're able to put all of that timestamp it and go that's where i was at that point and you can always look back on that and go either, Hey, I, I was there and I've, I've progressed or, Oh man, I've really, you know, I've gone back just on a personal level. It's nice to be able to, to see where you, you know, where you've progressed from. Look, I, I, I love the record. Goodbye. Cali brought me to tears. And I don't know if it's because I lived wow. in California, but there was something there that got me super emotional and, and anything about California, just having lived there, having done the music experience there and, and, and gone there and achieved stuff. It always has this special thing for me where it was this big, you know, mysterious place that you go to that it really is a, a beautiful and a horrible place at the same time. And it's just this living dichotomy. Uh, and so whenever anyone brings California into a song, my, my ears always perk up, but the way it's brought up here, I don't know what it is, but it's, it, was it meant to be an emotional song? Is there, is there an emotional message in there or, or not at all? <laughs> I think actually like, this is one of the songs where Connor actually kind of takes like the lead or it's, it's a shared lead vocal and, and he wrote the choruses. Well, we wrote it in the pandemic. There's a manic kind of like in the verses. There's like when we were in lockdown, there was some kind of pent up thing that we wanted to have burst through because there's yeah. there's some kind of like a manic bursting through kind of energy. But it's also about it's it's about what it feels like to be on tour as well. Because and so when Dev was singing those verses, um, you know, it was about the. It, 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 it's more about the, exp the experience of being with your instrument. You know, he's literally describing playing the guitar and playing a beat. And then, so in the choruses, when we discovered musically that we had this contrast that like, it's a big contrast going to the choruses. Oh yeah. I think it, it might feel kind of interesting if by naming all these cities, you could feel like more of like you're, you're sweeping over North America. Um, it just took on a different, you know, different view of what Deb was describing kind of more in a localized sense. And when you say goodbye, California, there I, there is something kind of sad about that because there is there's a the dream of California. It feels like it's in its twilight period. Uh, yeah. it, I, I would say, and um, it's not only sad. What I'm kind of saying is also a little bit mean mm -hmm. uh, about, about it. Um, but it, it, it's in a in a playful way. I'm, it's it's not a super literal meaning to the song. It, it's. It's it's a it's a bit abstract, but but you know, being being guys that have been there, uh, people that have, you know that have worked there, that have created there, it does have this special weird like you love to hate it, and then when you leave it, you miss it, and it's like I want to go back, and then you get there, and you're like, did I really miss this place? But it's what's great about California is that when you dig into California and you get past all the the exterior stuff, and you start to meet the people that live there, and you go hiking in, you know, Rending Canyon, you go in the canyons, and you go to the beach, and you go to the other places that aren't Hollywood Boulevard and all that other crap. You start to see that there's really a reason why people stay there, and there's a beauty to it. And I think what what, what California has always represented to me is that if you dig past the surface, there's something beautiful inside of everybody if you're just willing to put the work in. And California, you've got to kind of put the work in because there's a lot of glitzy stuff that makes you think it's a certain way. But yeah. it's, it's it's like getting to meet, it's like meeting somebody that has a bit of 
a, a wall up and you're like, I know there's someone really cool inside there, but they just won't let me in. Then when you finally get in, you're like, man, this is why they guard it so much because it's such a nice place. It's mm-hmm. an amazing place. It's it's what it's the it's the cultural capital of the world in a way. Like in, in terms of like what Hollywood has done, it's like kind of the 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 modern land of milk and honey where people would be all be trying to gravitating out towards that. And naturally, I think when you like have an origin story of a place like that. There's the exuberance of the building up of the thing, and then it reaches a decadent period where the the saturation of all the glitz and glam starts to tip over into something a little bit uglier, and the whole thing is just fascinating. Like it's 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 it, it feels like it's out of some mythological past almost. The glitz and of of, of California, I, I do love it. I like going there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you captured something for me in that. Um, there's a bass sound on that track. I don't know if it was bass, but it. it it gave me, a, it sounded like something I've heard on like a Kendrick Lamar record, like the tones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. Tell me a bit about that because I, I love this. I love that bass sound. And I know it's probably you, Dill, playing it on keyboard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fun when, we, when we're writing music, I get to pull out all the analog synthesizers and put them in, in any stack or ordering or whatever I want to do. Yeah. And uh, that one was the, uh, uh, was the Moog Sub, Sub 37. A um, lot of fun. To, it's got really, really weird cutoffs and filters and multi drives yeah. and all sorts of fun knobs you can twist and push and and i don't even know where that baseline came from you know it was part of that manic energy that we were all playing yeah. in but you know just to, it it bounces around in a very strange way i have no idea yeah it's, where it it's, it's great it's great and when i i was like when i heard it i was like first time i heard it, i'm like i gotta figure out because I love making connections. I like saying like, I heard this kind of, and this might be influenced by this. And when, I, when I'm right on, I'm happy. But when I heard, it, I'm like, where did I hear this? And I went on a Kendrick record and I, maybe he's using the same plugin or whatever, but it was just, it was just cool to hear it come up in your record. Um, okay, I got I'll to go with my Kendrick Lamar record now. Right. Well, there you go. Say it was influenced by Kendrick. That's it. Um, I got to go to the secret show, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I had someone sitting next to me who hadn't, don't think he'd ever seen you guys live before. And what I love about being next to someone who's never seen you, just when they think they have you pegged for a certain type of band, you guys go and a complete other, you know, like, oh, they're like an alt rock band. And then you guys all get around the microphone, you have the harmonica and it's like, another well, Crosby, Stills, Nash. And you know, like he, they don't, you guys can't really be, um, I guess you can't really be described as like one thing. You're your own thing. And that's always been the, the great thing about this band. Um, when you get people that see you for the first time, do you find that's that that's a reaction that you get? Like people are like, "Wow!" Like I didn't realize you were so eclectic. Mm-hmm. People people say funny things like, um, you, "You guys really play your, your instruments," you know, things like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you really you you do more than play your instruments. You each play more instruments than like seven people would play on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess they're just. Maybe that's becoming less common to see people, uh, you know, just like, you know, in, in, an instrumental focus is maybe not necessarily what it, people are after as much these days. I don't know. In terms of the eclectic part of it, the, yeah, we explore a lot of different styles, I guess. And when you put it all in front of someone in just like a 75 minute thing, it seems like we go all over the place. But right. like it's 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 hard, to, it's hard to imagine yourself on stage the, being viewed for the first time. Um yeah, we never we never have like an intention to be like, oh, let's do so let's do like an eh, straight ahead indie rock record with all these rules. You know, we just we just blaze ahead with whatever is like the most fun or whatever feels like the most poignant or or interesting. And we don't really 
care about the like the conventions of a genre, right? You know? Which is great. Which is which makes what I think it's what does what deter like what defines you guys is that you you can't be defined, and that's the beautiful thing about this band. It's like Half Moon Run's just Half Moon Run, and I think that's one of the things that it it can it can be a blessing, it can be a curse, because when you when you are that, it, you, you people really have to come and they have to listen. They can't just you know they can't just casually listen. They have to be like, all right, I'm committing, and that's what what I see with most Half Moon Run fans now is they commit. They're committed to this band. And they're diehards and you see it like the people that are fans of you guys are fans. You know, they're not just casual listeners. And I think that's the, the one thing when you are a band that you can't necessarily put into a genre and, you know, just file away in one section in a record store. That's what makes it, it can be a challenge, but when, but the payoff is great once you, once you're there, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We've got, it's funny that you mentioned the first show, but I feel like everybody I talk to these days is, is like, oh, this is my fifth show. This is my seventh show. Some people are like, it's their 13th show, you know? Well, I was thinking, I was I was talking to Julia the other day, and I think it was it has to have been my twentieth time seeing you guys. And I've seen you guys from playing in front of me in a studio at a radio station to Festival d'Été de Québec, and everywhere else in between. You know, so it's it's fun to see it through new eyes and people that haven't seen you before. And also, um, another person that was with us had never seen you guys before, and it's just great to see that reaction. And I I think I told you after the show, I've never watched you guys from a balcony. So I really got a bird's eye view on the craziness, especially you, Dylan, because Dylan, I've never like, I, I always see you from, you know, you're about here on a riser, but to see you overhead. And I mean, you are going to pay for that later in life. Well, I've, I've become more ergonomic with the ridiculous things I'm doing. <laughs> is, is it, do you guys ever, is there ever a point where you're like, all right, man, we gotta, like, we're really challenging ourselves too much. Or do you just say, Okay, no, we we can make this work. Is it just we'll record it and we'll figure it out live? It's amazing what you can do. Yeah, when we start out on an idea like that and it feels like this is too much, often it's still is like I can't do this, and we're like, come on, Dylan. And he just thinks about it. he's like, if I well, I guess if I did this and this, I might be able to get to the point. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. And then a month later, you know, it's cooking. Okay, yeah. there we go. One step at a time. With Dill, if he says he can't do it, we've learned just not to believe him. And just to say, no, dude, you got it, you got it, and he always gets it. Do you ever leave practice, Dylan, and you're just like, fuckers? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Especially sometimes when I'm like, come on, couldn't, you know, I'm trying to ask Dever Connor, like, couldn't you play like a note on a switch with your foot or something? And like, nah, <laughs> nah, dance. nah, nah, you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I gotta dance. <laughs> right, exactly. You're dancing more now. Like, what's that? It's almost like you're cruel. Like you're dancing. And you're like, hey, motherfucker, play these 17 things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that. That's me dancing away from my uh, the, the things that Dylan wants me to do. You know, to do MIDI switches with my feet or whatever the hell. You know. <laughs> uh, I know it's. I know people aren't necessarily seeing him or have seen him yet. But if you do see Half Moon Run uh, moving forward, the roadie that you guys have working with you, and I imagine he's he's there for the long haul because there's no way that that guy's going to have learned the moves for one show. I mean, let's give that guy some props. Is, is his uh, name? It's Steve, right? Polly Kane. Okay. Uh, AKA like medic. Cause he's always there and he's got the goods. And, well, you know. that, I, so I saw your sound man Ben after the show and, um, and I always love, love talking to Ben. Cause to me, he's, he's almost like, you know, the fourth member of this band. He always makes you guys sound incredible. Yeah. Well, there you go. So Monok, uh, I went up to him after and I said, he goes, how did it sound? I said, it sounded great. Um, and then I go, but this roadie, he goes, oh, medic. Yeah. So I went up <laughs> to him after and I said, Hey, and he goes, Oh, what's up? I go, you're incredible. <laughs> Cause he, yeah. I mean, okay, really he's got to, you've got to run through that with him a few times. That's not, there's no, I mean, that's he, gotta be, 
he came into the industry relatively late in his life and he had just an ambition to get involved with the job that he's doing now. And in order to set himself apart, he came to us with those specific um, like you saw him doing guitar changes for me that were almost invisible. Like I would have one guitar one second and one guitar the other, another second. And it's because he actually with his girlfriend in the kitchen of their house would take the guitars and put them on her and work out body movements that would be more efficient where all you have to do. So this is what happens. I'm standing on stage and I've got a guitar. He creeps up behind me and he just pinches my ankle from behind so I know that he's there and right at that moment I drop my shoulder and then he strips one off and puts the next one other over all in one motion and that was something he worked out with his girlfriend in the kitchen and he, he brought that whole idea to me one day that if you just do this lean your shoulder back I'll have it off and on in one second and then it, then he disappears off off to the side of the stage so like it, it wasn't us that told him to do that normally I probably just would have done it the clumsy way which is just freaking take it off myself and just yeah. whatever do it slowly you know but that was and in order to kind of ingratiate himself in a new career path um, later on in his life, he went. He took the initiative of kind of working that all on himself, and now he's indispensable. So he's got a full-on like two-inch binder labeled Half Moon Run of like the notes and the changes and yeah. the, the particularities of our setup and everything. And so he will he will guide the the whole setup and teardown of our our whole stage show without us even needing to be there. So it's so fitting that a band like you guys who take it so seriously, and I know many bands that have come in and out of Shome played uh, for interviews and that, you know, they have said we, we practice in the same building as them. And like, we, you know, they're there when we come in and they're there when we leave. So I know how hard you guys work. I, I, I don't I haven't even asked you guys about this, but I know just from people that'll tell me they just got off the road and the next day they were in there for nine hours. So I know how, how much you put into this. So it's just fitting that you have a roadie that practices with his girlfriend or his wife in their yeah. kitchen. I mean, that's the only roadie you're going to need. Half Moon Run needs someone that committed. Yeah. 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 It's a really enduring feeling, that little pinch on the ankle. You know what I mean? Because I just know <laughs> there. It's like, it's really, it's, 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 it's subtle, but it's really supportive. It's like this really feeling of, I've got your back. You know, like I'm here and you're about to, I feel like I can just, and I don't even look back. I take the guitar off without even looking. And it's, it's, it's wonderful to have the stage crew who support you in the same way that your bandmates do, because you really don't get that all the time. You get someone like that, you hold on to them. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think any roadies, when they're off the road, think about their gig. It's just like, I'm going to tune up the oh. guitar, and, you know, they're just going to hand it to you, and it's just, and, the, you know, the strap's not going to be on right, and it's, yeah. but no, he he was, he was, a, he was, he was part of the show for me, you know, yeah, especially sure. someone who's kind of in tune with that and knows what goes into changing stuff. It, it, yeah, so hats off to this guy. Medic is uh, Medic's a star. We got to have him on the podcast alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hotel in Memphis, another one that really, really bounces. Um, give me a bit of background on that one because there's that song. And there's one more I want to ask about, but that's that. That was another one I, I was curious. I wanted to get some insights on that. That actually, the the, the seed of that is is like well over a decade old. I think that's that's Dylan's uh, solo piano. Yeah, it was it was a solo piano. Thing that I did and now the new version now almost doesn't resemble anything of what the original version was it's gone through so many evolutions over time yeah that original version we tried adding other stuff got Devin Connor involved and that's where I think the like the, the chorus melody came in at one point over some of those chords and that remained and then everything else about the about the piano thing left and then I think you know we got a I, I can't even remember how it all came together, but it's just, it's evolved At so much. At some point, we added like this kind of hip hoppy bounce beat. Um, 
to try and just give it new life. We, we kept revisiting like in 20, 2012, we would try to put it on Dark Eyes, it didn't work. 2018, we tried to put it on our second record and our third one too. It just never worked until now. I mean, with the help of Connor Seidel to help kind of point out its good parts and, and its bad parts. And yeah, and now there it is. The chorus of it was identified by our early record labels as something that had some potential, like it was a good hook. And we, right. we told this story a couple of times already today, but we knew what they meant, but didn't like where it was sitting back in the, in the Dark Eyes days. Um, right. And there was a mandate that came down from on high that we were to treat this like work and it was happening, whether we liked it or not, that we would record this song in that format on that record. And we had a moment of solidarity there that kind of defined us way back then in 2011, because when that came down, they said, you have to do this. This is work. We kind of said like, oh, really? And like went outside into the woods with a couple of beers and, and decided that like, no, that we will die on this hill. Yeah. Um, you don't tell us what to do. And we sent a letter to everybody saying, if you try to force us to do this, we're going to quit. And, uh, and so then they backed down. And so that's how much we didn't want to record that song <laughs> back in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're recording it. <laughs> and now we're happy with it. Yeah, finally, we got to the place where we're happy with it. Was that the song when when you played the other night that you were said that, that you've been sitting with forever? That was the one, right? Because there was one song you said, like, we... we We've been we've been sitting on this song forever. We never thought it was going to, and this is the best it's ever gotten. Was that the one? Well, I guess they're both from about the same era, but I think "Dodge the Rebels" probably the okay old the bunch. Bunch of songs from early uh, pre Dark Eyes days on this record, as it turns out. Yeah, it's great. Um, I um, I love the video for "Everyone's Moving Out East." Can you tell me a bit about that and what went into it? I mean, that song we weren't going to release it separately. It's just that in all the playbacks with uh, partners. And our family and friends, people kept highlighting that as very emotional and mm. different. And so at some point we just said, well, let's just release it. And then, but that was only like 10 days ago. And then we said, oh my God, we need a, we need a music video like in four days or whatever. So we just, uh, we hired a great uh, production team on a really tight budget. And we found someone with an early nineties Volvo. 90s. I was going to say, I knew it was a Volvo just from the headrests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah, no, right away. As soon as I was like, "That's a Volvo," and then when it turns on, I'm like, "Oh, the sound. Maybe the sound's a post thing." But the the, the headrest, I knew it was a Volvo because I, I at one point, my my dad's girlfriend was like a a, a real enthusiast of Volvos and had several while they were together. So the headrests are just, you know, they're That's iconic. Funny. As as we as we talk about the the video, you you get you these Volvo enthusiasts come out of the woodwork, you know. <laughs> but yeah, with like a, a '92 Volvo and. Um, with very low kilometers on it, and yeah, um, we drove we drove out east to Kamaraska, and it was kind of like each of us, um, like in, in the concept of the video, is kind of like we're all leaving, we're all like leaving together, but we're all alone. You know, we're right. not actually driving together, and that's kind of in the spirit. It's a, it's a correlated with the spirit of the song, which is kind of like at the intersection of of beauty and sadness, and yearning and wistfulness, and kind of saying goodbye and wanting to go too, but you can't or something like that. Somewhere in that little intersection dancing around. Yeah. No, it's a great song. Um, Connor's a, a, seems to be an incredible producer. We, every time I've tried to, to meet him, like we were messaging each other. Like he's like, I'm here. I'm like, I'm upstairs. Let's meet after the show. I, I've tried to meet him so many times just to be able to say hi in person, but everyone I've talked to says he's just this remarkable dude. Um, fairly young in his production too, but tell me what's special about him because it seems like a lot of people want to work with him and he's just got this, this thing about him that's 
that he just has it. Can you tell me what it was like working with him? Um, he's he's just ba- got boundless energy, and he's self describes uh, self described as a finisher. Like we're great at like starting ideas, but you know some of these songs have been around for ten years. We te- keep taking a crack at them, and they just don't get done. Um, yeah. And it was great to have him be like, "This is working. This isn't. Let's just go down this path." And then you get to the destination finally, and that's right. kind of a rare skill set. It's so easy to start with a spark and then you lose your way and you just yeah. abandon. Um, and we've got a, a whole list in our, our jam space of ideas that are in that state. And he's the guy that is the missing link. Um, and he knows how to make it professional, a professional recording without it feeling like you're going through a professional recording experience. And it's, uh, it makes, he makes it easy. And engineering chops too, though. Like he's, he's a master engineer. That's what everybody's I, telling me. Like the guys, the guys just on the cusp. I mean, he, and I think people are going to start, you know, coming to call for him a little more than than before, which is which is great for him. You know, it's only a matter of time for someone like you know, he's gonna, someone like Adele is going to come knocking, and then all us Montreal people are going to be left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nah, don't forget us, Connor. Don't forget us. You're going to be sitting there. You're going to be sitting here with all these unfinished ideas. Like fuck, we need our finisher. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like in Pulp Fiction when. Um, when uh, you know uh, the cleaner shows up, yeah. up the situation. <laughs> he's the finish. You know, he's like he's the guy. Um, yeah. The uh, the record comes out June second. It seems like you guys are touring ferociously for this one. You're going to be on on the road like crazy. Um, like you mentioned in the beginning, this is the first time you're really independent, um, and you guys can steer the boat. Uh, I was talking to I was at the merch at my so I brought my daughter to the show. My daughter had seen you before, but she got to come back after, and she was so happy. And um, and we went upstairs, we were sitting on the balcony and she's like, I want to get a shirt. Uh, and I told her, I go, okay, but I'm taking you to boy genius next month. And I said, I would buy you a shirt at boy genius in Toronto. I go, I'm not buying you a shirt. I know you're trying to manipulate me. She goes, no, I got paid for my job. I want to buy my own shirt and support the band. So yeah, she went oh, downstairs, wow. she got her shirt. And, um, and then I was talking to, um, some of the gals behind the, uh, the, the merch table, Fanny and, and, and they were saying, yeah, we're, we're helping the, the band with marketing. And so it seems like you guys are able to, to kind of assemble your dream team of who you want to work with because you're in control. Is that, is that a nice feeling? Yeah, it's a game. It's a game changer. Um, because you can, I, I, I don't know, you have these personal relationships, whereas before with a bigger label, you might have like, there's just a mystery folks out in some other city that are doing work that you're not really aware of. But now we get to touch base on, on all these different facets and, and delegate, you know, responsibly and, and knowingly to uh, great people like Fanny and Supercool, which is the name of her business. Yeah, it feels more like a fan. Well, that's it. It feels oh, more wow. like you, 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 it feels more like you're working with people that you know they have a track record you've worked with before and then if you have a certain territory that you want to put a little extra lean on you're able to to hire independently right yeah it's a great scenario it takes more management of course but uh it's it's a great model and we have not to say we're like we have a distributor who will help us you know find partners and consult on things and they provide some label services yeah of course but uh yeah overall it's really light and lean and we're dynamic and you know feels good it comes across, man. It just, when I saw you guys on stage, you just guys felt, it felt and looked and sounded free. And that seems to be the whole vibe in this whole, I guess, record cycle that you guys are are emerging from all this negative time that we spent in the last few years, free and um, and happy. So good on you guys. Nice. Thanks. Thanks That's exactly right. Um, really, really happy I got to catch up with you guys. Thanks so much for taking the time. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Good. Congratulations on the record. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I've been sitting with the record for a while. It's a phenomenal album. 
Technically, it's number five, so this is the one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and continued success, man. And you know, I, I really, really care a lot about you guys as musicians, as people, and and I'm glad that you're doing this and and that you're committed. So much so that you have a roadie that's as committed as you guys. So it shows that it's infectious and you're working with the right people. Thank you, Jason. Through all the years, you were definitely one of the early ones. Huge, huge at getting us uh, traction in Montreal in the early days too, which started everything off for us. All, all of our kind of, um, the, the success that we've had, it all grew out of those those early days in Montreal and just the little kind of, those little tiny little moves where you would give us some props on Shome and, uh, you know, little things that end from Montreal and all that. So we'll always be grateful to you. Well, I mean, hopefully you can cash your stock right, right at the, right at the peak, maybe in about a year. We'll see. <laughs> my, my, I just want to end on this. My proudest moment was getting the record, um, getting it from, uh, from your label head early on and saying, you have to hear this, listen to it, loved it, told my PD about it. Who's actually Andre Lallier who passed away. He listened to it. He's like, I'm not sure. I'm like, let me kick this CD under your door. I want you to really listen to it. Forget about the link you got. And he listened. I go, spend some time with it. A year later, you guys were driving back from a show, listening to Shom, and you heard one song, and then another song, and then yeah. another song, and you guys were classic Vinyl Sunday, which only happens to bands that literally have 20, 30, 40 years in the game. So yeah. that to me said, it's important sometimes that you go the extra mile and you push. And um, it's about giving back, right? you know, and, and if you can help somebody and if you can be of service to someone, it's important. So for me, my proudest moment in radio and in my radio career was you guys and, and, you know, just being able to give you guys any push that I could. So it always makes me happy. I always gush a little bit because again, I've got stock that I'm not cashing yeah. in yet on your, yeah. <laughs> on your, uh, on your recommendation. And I, and again, I'm just really, really happy you guys had, had some time to, to chat today and, and keep kicking ass, man, because you guys are good people, good musicians, and, and you're, 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 you mean a lot to me. So I'm really, really proud of you guys. Well, love you, Jason. Thanks so much, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Man. All the best. Now, Jason, it seems to me like you're that guy in the movie, like in a rock biography, that's usually played by Paul Giamatti or something like, you know, that guy that like, you know, before the band hits, they need that one guy. You seem to be that guy who like, you know, is part of the part of the history. And though it's, you know, you don't see your name on all these album covers, but at the same time, vital to, you know, a band's progression. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to personally give you all the credit in the world for all the people you do this for, because it is not unique to this situation. You have gone out of your way to help many bands. In fact, I remember when the band Dot came on the scene, you had them open for you guys. Mm -hmm. Even that, um, uh, even the Shome Rock Room with that Nirvana cover band, April yeah. Hate. Yeah. That my friend Christian saying, <laughs> like, it's, uh, you know, when you like something, you really put, you really put them out there and uh, folks like me get to appreciate it. So uh, yeah, man, good on, good on you for all the things you do. Well, I appreciate the kind words and it means, it does mean a lot. And, and you know, as well as I do, being someone who, who's played music and has tried to break through in anything, whatever you do creatively everybody needs that person that believes in them. Uh, oftentimes you need several people that believe in you. And for me, uh, being able to, to, to have a very, very small, and I mean a very, very small part of, of them having success means the world to me. And, and um, I don't know if I've ever showed this on the show. I'm going to go grab it really quickly. Maybe you can do an edit so you don't have to see my walk and my shorts. I'll definitely edit out you grabbing it. Um, so back in 2014, uh, this showed up at the station for me um, from Half Moon Run. 
And Damn. this was a gold record. And at the bottom, it says presented to Jason Rockman to commemorate the sale of 40,000 units of Dark Eyes. Now, this is the first time I've ever received a gold record. And I and I know, you know, if anyone- This is the first time I've ever seen a gold record. Listen, I never got one for music for myself. And that's okay because this means more to me than I could have ever imagined. If Even if I, if I received a gold record for myself, yeah, it'd be nice. But this means everything to me because I like to live my life- being of service to people. I like to, I like to try to help people as much as I can. And when this arrived, man, Ryan, this fucking was a game changer for me. Cause it made me realize my position at radio can help people. It can change people's lives. It can really, really make a difference. And it cemented that. So when I got this, I was, I was really emotional and this record will always mean the world to me. Um, you know, 11 years later and, uh, I think it's platinum now and, and, or more maybe, so this this changed the game for me. It made me realize I can do a lot more good helping people than hoarding it all to myself and going, well, I'm going to write the fucking hit song of the world. Like, who cares? Dude, my time's passed. I know that. It's okay. But I can really, really help people with the position I'm in. So that's kind of the way I like to, to live my life, as you know, you mentioned before. But yeah, when this showed up, it meant the world to me, dude. It meant the world to me. And uh, and then I got another one for their for their second record. But I... I that's incredible, dude. Yeah, and it... I I love I love Half Moon Run. I really really do. And Julia and I, our producer, have seen them. We were talking the other day. We've probably seen them over twenty times, and we've seen them from the smallest venue to the biggest stage at Festival d'Été Quebec in front of a hundred thousand people. And every time they're incredible. I've never seen a bad show. So really really happy we were able to chat with them the week of release. Uh, the album's coming out this Friday. It's called Salt. Um, you know, you can let go is a single you you can hear everywhere now. And and we we go into depth, you know, as you heard, we, we really went into detail on the record and, and got some insight. And it was nice to nice to catch up with the guys. So thank you to Half Moon Run and thank you to uh, to everyone involved in helping us get them on the show. Uh thank you to Heartbeat Hot Sauce, the heartbeat of the Rockman Power Hour. Um, the Louisiana kids. Uh, I would love to hand this through you to you through the screen and have you down a bottle of this like you like to do, because this one would definitely get some reaction. Don't do it though, whatever you do, because this one's really hot on the hot meter. I think I've down enough hot sauce in my day. Yeah, you have. <laughs> you, you, you've definitely gone, gone to the mat for heartbeat. So use our promo code ROCKMAN20 and get 20% off your entire order. Also, thank you to Studio House Designs for uh, their incredible t-shirts that they furnish us with. Um, they always make us look great and we really, really appreciate them. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this journey. And thanks to AKG as well. Uh, I don't, oh, yeah. I, I'm loving these microphones, Ryan. And the head loving them. So uh, d- definitely check out AKG. We use the C214s on this podcast and we love the way they sound. And um, thanks to all of you. Thanks to my my co-host, Ryan Stick. Thanks to our producer, Julia Kajerski. And uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, hit that alert button so you'll always be alerted oh yeah and uh just to say we recently hit a milestone oh we did we we, uh got a thousand subscribers on youtube which is great and we've had thousands and thousands of views on other videos like alex lyson just took off like if we had a subscriber for every viewership of alex lyson yeah we'd we'd uh we'd be partying on a boat Well, I don't know about that, but but yeah, listening to Biggie, are you kidding? Oh my god, it'd be awesome. Actually, I would like to do that, but yeah, but it is. We should do. We should do that. Of course, it would be a little shitty dingy and stuff like that, and it would be out of our iPhones and no speakers. But still, boat party. It'd be big pimping. Um, But but (gasps) we should get one of those rafts, dude. 
you know, one of those rafts where you stand up and stuff and we have the thing and we're just like 1,000 subscribers and t-shirts. Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. The problem is, you know that five people would unsubscribe just to put us back to 9.99. Something. I know, exactly. It's just be like, ugh. <laughs> no, but really the, the subscriptions yeah. mean a lot. And, and the thing is, a lot of people will watch stuff on YouTube, like you mentioned. Like we've got people that have watched a lot of our stuff, but- you know, just subscribe as a commitment. And it is a commitment that means a lot to people like that produce content because it really does get you into that next level where you can monetize on, on YouTube and, um, and not, and believe me, monetization it's, it's pennies at the, where we're at, but it just, it was a milestone that a lot of us really, really were excited to hit. So we are at that now. So thank you for all 